I'm a firm believer that if something is meant for you, it is going to come anyway. You chasing it or not is really not going to make a difference. And if something is truly not, then it's not yours to have at this point. It's not right for you at this point. There's a reason why it's not happening. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Mind Valley podcast. Today, we can have an interesting discussion, and I'm really excited about today's discussion because I just got back from the Middle East. From the country of Jordan, where Mind Valley held its A Fest festival. So, A Fest is a festival with uh, just incredible uh, people from all around the world. And we chose the Middle East for the first time as our destination for A Fest. And so, the Middle East has been in my mind. And I've been really impressed with the level of people I've been meeting there. When I was in A Fest, I met remarkable people from the Jordanian royal family. I met Princess Rim, who was awarded the Journalist of the Year Prize in 2011. I met a woman called Mary, who runs the Landmark Hotel in Jordan and was on the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine. And one of the things that all of these people had in common is that they were all powerhouse women making a massive impact in the Middle East. And I'd never really been exposed to this region. And I was intrigued at how different the reality is in terms of the Middle East versus what we perceive of it in the West, which is why I'm so excited about our guest today, Tara Imad. Tara Imad is calling in and she's on the podcast with me right now from Cairo. Tara is an Egyptian actress with a charming, distinguished Eastern European uh, background as well. She started a career as a model. She became one of the, the most sought after faces in commercials and fashion shows in Egypt and France. She's been in numerous TV and film productions. She recently got named to play Meghan Markle's character in the Arabic remake of Suits. The TV show. She's been one of the top cover models uh, and brand ambassadors for Bulgari. She's been styled by Gucci. And one of the wonderful things about her is that she is also an environmentalist and an anti-bullying activist. She launched her own podcast, Bullying Explained, as part of a project at German University Egypt to offer research-based advice and to talk about the serious consequences of bullying. She's opened up about being bullied herself when she was young and is on a mission to use her platform to help others experience mindset shifts when they go through any type of trauma. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation with an interesting person. And we're going to be talking about a wide variety of different things. Tara is a celebrity in Egypt. You know, Tara, when some of my Egyptian programmers who work at Mind Valley knew that I was interviewing you, one of them messaged me. His name is Amir. And he just told me to tell you that he has such a big crush on you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you. So, so, so Amir, Amir, if you're listening, Tara Imad said thank you. Yes. Hi, and thank you. And oh, my God, thank you for that lovely introduction. Thank you so much. So, Tara, first off, uh, you've gained incredible, um, incredible fame in Egypt. Uh, I believe your Instagram itself is close to... 2.4 million followers. And for those of you who want to follow Tara, it's Tara Imad, T-A-R-A-E-M-A-D. Tara, let's start with the first question. When I interview someone who's a celebrity, the first thing I want to understand is to get to the level that you're at, to be able to work in, in TV production, in film, to be a cover model, it takes a big balancing act. There's so much pressure on you. 
And at the same time, you always have to show up as your best self. You're constantly under scrutiny. You constantly have to look good and be in, in radiant health. I'd love for you to share with us, what are some of the routines, the processes, the systems that you put in your life to stay healthy mentally and physically? I guess in the recent years, I started to realize how important mental health is. I wasn't really aware of it early on when I was a teenager. It wasn't something that was openly, I guess, discussed. Um, it was There was not much awareness as there is at this moment. Social media really has helped with raising awareness towards how important mental health is, emotional health, your own being, how important it is to realize the amount of effort that you put into making your own self better and how it affects your work, your relationships, and your entire life. So I do have a few things that I do basically more or less every day, but I'd like to narrow them down to first thing is meditation really has helped me come a long way. And um, simple practices, my faith, my daily routines that keep me grounded, that keep me settled, that keep me uh, feeling that I can take decisions rationally and not with like, I'm a very, I'd say like a firecracker person. <laughs> so I do sometimes take or make hasty decisions. So grounding in general in my life has helped me a lot with my relationships with friends, with family, with uh, colleagues. So I guess just every single time after a specific, like, a, or a lengthy time of work, after I've, I'm done with filming for about two, three months, series or a movie, I really like to take some time off to just go back to my own self, go back to my practices, go back to cleansing my own uh, energy because all forms of work do take a lot from you. And honestly, acting is my biggest passion, but I do need to take care of myself because I do get affected. I do uh, feel that sometimes the characters do affect me, even though I'm really trying not to have that relationship after I'm done with filming, but inevitably I'm a human, so it's not always easy. But I guess small and simple practices that put me on track. And also um, going back to my roots and my family, uh, bonding with my family, bonding with uh, relatives that I care about, my friends. I still have my very small and very tight circle from school. So they always, always keep me in check, keep me grounded. I have my feet on the ground whenever I'm with them. So it always kind of just makes you feel safe. And this safety um, pushes me later on to be able to explore more work, to give more, to push through harder for different kind of roles, for um, bigger challenges. So I guess it depends on every single person, but this is like what I try to do. I see, Tara. So... A question just came in from Lisa Wang, who is who's one of the live Mind Valley members with us on this recording. And Lisa asks, what type of meditation do you do? Well, I've been honestly back and forth on so many things, but I have a lot of, actually, I tried a lot of applications and um, I tried an application called Headspace and they have really, really cool, simple guided mm -hmm. small meditations. And these are the ones that I, I enjoy because they're you have five minutes, you have 10, you have 30 minutes. They're very different. And anything that is related to breath or breath work, it helps me calm down. It helps ground me in the morning. So I do like to transition from like transition and try different types of meditations because I do get bored easily. <laughs> so I always like to keep it exciting. Headspace is definitely a very, very useful tool. And, and I want to touch on what you just said. 
um, getting bored easily, right? So this is very true for many people. Many people try meditations and they they get bored of doing the same meditation. And and I know this may sound surprising for me for those of you Mind Valley who are listening because I advocate doing the six phase. But what Tara is doing is actually really cool because if you have an app and and right now if you're a Mind Valley member, they have 500 meditations on the Mind Valley app. I often like to alternate. So six phase one day, and then I might pick a Sonia Chaquette meditation and then back to six phase. And I might pick a Paul McKenna meditation. So if you're a Mind Valley member, just know that we have 500 meditations on the Mind Valley app. And if you are not a Mind Valley member, there's still about 30 or 40 free meditations. Download the app and check it out. And Headspace, like Tara said, is also a great, great, great service. Tara, I want to go to something else you said. You said, I also go back to my faith, my beliefs. I'm curious to know, how do you integrate your culture and your faith into your spiritual practice? Most of our audience here is coming from Asia or Europe or North America. And I think it'll be really interesting to hear it from your perspective. Well, I guess both are very similar. I mean, spirituality for me has been a journey and it is going to continue uh, being a journey for as long as I can think of, because you keep learning every single day and you keep improving and then you have a setback and then you learn more and then you uh, try different tools and try different ways to feel connected, to feel uh, rooted, to feel that you have a connection with something that is so much greater than you that keeps you uh, humbled and that keeps you in line with what your beliefs are. So I guess that growing up, I've been exposed to a lot of different beliefs and exposed to a lot of different uh, ways of how people uh, pursue their beliefs and faiths. And that was extremely eye-opening for me. And it was honestly speaking, it was beautiful to see how different beliefs all at the end of the day, all gathered to the exact same point is uh, do good, be a good person, do no harm, uh, have a connection with God, have a connection that is greater than anything else is. And those connections have helped me along the way. And I've seen those very simple yet beautiful connections help people out of so much misery and so much trouble. So I do try and keep it always with me. It's something that I that I do no matter where I am, how busy I am. And at the same time, um, I practice yoga, I do meditation, I do like to learn every single day about new ways and how to stay on how to actually expand my spirituality, my spiritual journey, be it uh, traveling, be it reading, be it uh, learning more, be it having conversations about different spiritual journeys and how each journey was different from the other journey and how it affected those people. So I guess it's just the process. It's a never ending process. And it's not like a place I'm going to go to, let's say, uh, country uh, A to get my spiritual awakening there. It's a journey and every single day there's something that adds up to your awakening, to your inner rise. That's how I call it. So I want to ask you a series of quick questions to understand how you view the world. And there's no right or wrong answer, right? There's absolutely no right or wrong answer. But I've always found that asking these questions uh, to, to, to celebrities is really interesting because everybody has a completely different opinion. So the first question is this, and I hope you don't mind that some of these questions might be might be a little bit controversial, but this audience is really, really understanding. The first question is this, to what extent do you believe your mind can influence reality? Um, I do believe that our minds can influence reality, honestly. I mean, I believe our minds are super powerful. And sometimes 
I mean, not sometimes, most of the times I realize how powerful our minds are and how little we know about it and how little of the capacity we like we use. We use a very small amount of what we actually could be using, but we're not. So I have seen uh, minds change reality because I believe that when you set your mind to something, even though you could be, for instance, having, God forbid, a very bad illness, but through meditation, through manifestation, through so many spiritual guidings, through many spiritual actions, you could change what is happening with you. And I have seen things like this firsthand. Maybe in the beginning, I wasn't so sure of of it working, of it being real. But when I saw it firsthand, it was completely, honestly, mind-blowing. What was it that you saw firsthand? I'm curious (laughs) now. It was, okay, so a very close relative was extremely sick. And the whole process was extremely painful for the whole family. And it was, I mean, near the end, doctors were saying that the person is saying goodbye, basically. And those were his last days. And later on, I was very young, but in the recent years, I came to realize and I was talking to my mom and she told me what actually happened was that the mind of that person and the two, three people around that person, they manifested his healing in ways that no one up until this point understands. But it was a collective manifestation and collective energy that was around that person and it healed him in one night. And doctors were... Wow. I mean, shocked. They did not know what was happening because he was going to die. And it was completely mind-blowing. And whenever I hear the story and whenever my mom says the story, I mean, she says it in, in a much more beautiful way. But whenever she says it, she gets goosebumps. And I do too, because I mean, I was very young. I was about seven or eight. But I do remember that they were all shocked and they all came back from the hospital and they're like, he's alive. <laughs> and uh, it was it was quite something. So I do believe in manifestation and I do manifest and I do always try to keep a mindset where I want something and I want it so bad. I don't think of how am I going to get that? I just do my best, but then I just leave it to the universe, to God, to a greater energy, to something that is so much more powerful than my actions. And if it's truly meant for me, and if I truly do deserve that, it is going to happen. And this manifestation has led me to wonderful places, has guided me through incredible, incredible journeys. And the more you believe in it, the more you listen to yourself, the more you listen to your gut, the more you trust your own mind to be able to guide you to what you really need and what you deserve. So yes, I mean, from my opinion, I do believe that your mindset and your mind can change your reality. But if you're completely attuned and in tune with yourself and with the world, so that makes a big difference. I like that. I just want to add some comparison answers. So I asked this to Richard Branson, do you believe in the law of attraction? And you know what he said? He said, I've never given it much thought. It was completely new to him. Now, this was 10 years ago, but he had never given it thought. But I remember also asking this question to Matthew McConaughey uh, when he was on the Mind Valley podcast, and he is a firm believer. And in his book, he has a picture of a note he wrote to himself in 1991 when he was sitting on the top bunk of a bunk bed in college saying, I, Matthew McConaughey, I'm going to be a world-class actor and win an Academy Award for Best Actor. And 20, 20 or 22 years later, he did just that. He said, the target brings pulls the arrow. In short, your goal 
will pull you towards it. So it's, it's interesting to compare these different beliefs. Now, Richard Branson doesn't even think about law of attraction, yet he is wildly successful. And so I, d- I guess there is no one way. But I want to go to something you said. You said something which was really interesting. And there is a key spiritual idea there. You said, yes, you believe the mind can influence reality. But you also said something along the lines of if it is right for me or if it is aligned for me or if I'm deserving. You said something like that. Like, yes. it's not like I can just get what I want. There's a, could you elaborate on that? Of course. Um, I'm a firm believer that if something is meant for you, it is going to come anyway. You chasing it or not is really not going to make a difference. And if something is truly not meant right. for you and is not yours to have at this point or it's not right for you at this point, there's a reason why it's not happening. Sometimes it happens that I'm dying to get a role and there's this role that I really want to get and I'm doing everything. I am taking more workshops. I'm learning more. I'm making the right connections. I'm engaging with the right people. I'm going to the exact auditions that I should go to. I'm doing everything. And I'm even talking with the director and I'm here, but it's not meant for me. It could be for so many reasons. And as the years passed, I mean, in the beginning, when I started my acting career, I would throw tantrums. It would be like, why is this not my opportunity? Why am I not getting it? Why am I not good enough? Why is this not something that, why, why this role did I, like, why didn't I not get it? Mm. I'm good for it. But I came to realize that that's going to keep on happening. And not everything that I want is going to happen. And that is okay. And just realizing that it's okay and being completely fine with it, not being yours at the time that you want it to be yours is a huge leap for me. I mean, it was a huge leap for me. And because sometimes you don't realize, but for instance, if I take on a specific role, maybe that role is not meant for me at this age. It's not meant for me at this. uh, I don't have the capacity to, to do it and it won't be good. So that's why I did not get it. I mean, there's always a reason why something don't work out. And I also always, always tell myself, there's always a good reason. There's always a good reason. Even if something bad happens, there's always a good reason. You might know it after 10 years, but that's how I keep myself motivated. That's how I keep myself continuing to grow more, to understand that I did not get this, but that's not a setback. It's just a little pebble that I got to step on and continue thriving. I like that attitude. And it reminds me of Marie Diamond's philosophy. So Marie Diamond is a spiritual teacher on Mind Valley, And she, she says, when it comes to manifesting, we all think we are all seduced by that documentary, The Secret, Our Thoughts Create a Reality. But, you know, think about it. Like if there's one role, okay, like you're about to play almost Meghan Markle's character in the Egyptian version of Suits, that's one role. And I bet there's like countless people who want that role. It's not, not everyone is going to get it. Marie Diamond says manifesting has three parts. One part, one third is your mind. One third is the power of your intention. One third is actually destiny. Some cultures call it destiny. Some cultures call it God. You know, like, like Muslims say, God willing. Sometimes it's just not meant for you. It is not in your soul path. Imagine you're like driving down a highway. Like all of us have this highway that often destiny puts us on. And you have the freedom to change lanes. But you cannot get off the highway. You need to move on that highway. You can change lanes, but you cannot get off the highway. In short, part of our life is destiny. Part of our life, we have free will to manifest. Now, there's also a third part, which is really, really, really interesting. And this is the part I'm still trying to understand. Marie Diamond says it is the feng shui or the consciousness of the space around us. So it is the consciousness of our home, the place we live. Sometimes somebody could move homes or move cities or move into a different 
relationship and everything just changes. That is the consciousness of the vibrations around us. So anyway, for whatever it takes, I think that is a pretty interesting picture and it explains why we sometimes don't get what we want. True. Absolutely true. How do you deal with those moments, Tara, when, when there's so much expected of you? Uh, to be a celebrity, to be a person in, at, at your level, there's so much expected of you. And then at the same time, the camera is always pointed at you, you know? And so if you um, are curt to someone, uh, people might say, oh, you know, she's, she's rude. How do you stay in the public light? And at the same time, with all of that pressure on you, be calm and, and gentle and be your best self. What's your secret? Well, to, to burst the bubble, honestly, it's not easy and it's scary. And sometimes it does get harder. And sometimes I seem to be pulling it off because it's just flowing. But it depends. I mean, I, when I was a kid, I was a very shy person. I was an extremely shy person. And Spotlight would completely throw me off guard. And getting into acting and being a celebrity and having the spotlight on me, mostly always, has led me to realize that I really need to deal with my shyness. And I really need to deal with the fact that I'm an extremely private person. And with the rise of social media, with the rise of my career, that was something that I <laughs> had to understand that it's going to be completely open to the public. Mm. It hasn't been easy. I do tend to be a very calm person in my work life. And uh, that calmness, I guess, helps me just absorb everything that's happening, absorb the spotlight, absorb the expectations, absorb my feelings, understand that what I'm feeling is something that is now it's not who I am. It's something that's material. It's at this point, I'm feeling extremely uh, overwhelmed and I do get overwhelmed a lot. There's a lot of things that I want to do. You know, I want to see my friends, see my family, go to work, work out, clean, be with my pet, be, like so many things, answer my WhatsApps, answer my Instagrams. Like, you know, there's a lot of stuff and everyone has that. Everyone has a million things they're juggling. So it just depends how we're dealing with it. So I'm not definitely undermining anyone who's doing more or less, but it's really dependent on where I am as a person and how I'm able to deal with that. Sometimes I get completely overwhelmed. I just shut myself in the house and I'm like, okay, I need to just be by myself, breathe just so that I can recharge and go out to the world. And sometimes I'm fine with being super busy and doing five things at the same time. So it depends. Uh, when I recharge, I'm so much more able to engage and be present and be aware. And um, to go back to the part of expectations, I guess now looking back at a teenage me, I started working when I was 14. That's when I started my modeling career. Before that, I did a few ads around the age of 9, 10, 11. And then my modeling career kicked off at 14. So I've always been in front of the camera. And I always remember all my family tells me that I was always super ready to smile and be ready for the camera when it looks my way. So I guess I was never shy of the camera. I was my complete, confident, best version of myself in front of it. So that honestly helped a lot. And that's where my passion and love uh, for acting, for modeling, for being in front of a camera came from. But I never realized that my acting passion is going to come with fame. And no one prepares you for fame. No one tells you like, hey, so listen, you're going to be doing a TV series now, but expect like people waiting at your door tomorrow. 
So no one tells you that. And that did come for me as a shock because I was a teen, you know, still struggling with my image, with how I look at myself, with uh, how I feel about myself. I didn't feel pretty. I didn't feel that I'm, yeah, pretty, I guess. I didn't feel that I didn't love my body at that age. And then you just get a lot of attention and people. And that was crazy. I was like, well, why? Why is there fame with acting? And it took me a while to understand that it's a part of it. It's not, I don't like to shed bad light on it. I grew to appreciate it. I can't say that it's something that I love. Fame is not to be loved. If I love fame, then I'm doing, uh, then I'm in this career for the wrong reasons. I appreciate the fame I get because it helps me extend the threads of my work into different places that I really genuinely care about. So fame for me is, is a tool that I use for causes, for uh, things that I want to shed light on, to raise the voices of the people that are not heard because I have that privilege and I have that capacity. I have those people that listen to me and I can engage them with the people that are not being heard. So getting into this space has led me to love my work even more and appreciate my work even more, love myself even more because I feel that I could do something. I could create a change. I could create a wave of change and I could, you know, change the narrative for some people. So I guess like if I'm ever asked <laughs> what's the best part of your job, I guess that would be it. That's beautiful. So the next question, and again, this is just a question to understand how your mind thinks if you could play any historical or living figure, who would you play? There are so many, but I guess, honestly speaking, I love Queen Rania of Jordan. I do. I do think she's incredible and uh, I would definitely love to play her if there is ever a movie or a series. <laughs> And um, I guess she's on the top of my list at this moment. If I remember anyone else, I'll let you know. Yeah, the Jordanian royal family is is amazing. Um, they 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 were amazing hosts. When when we did Mind Valley in Jordan, we were just in awe at how wonderful and kind it is. So yes, Queen Rania, definitely an amazing woman. Now, who is the person in the world or historically that if you could wave a magic wand and have a meal with this person and learn from them or tap their brain, it could be someone alive, it could be someone long gone, who would that person be? There is an Egyptian actress that I'm completely in love with. She passed away. Her name is Fetan Hamema. I would absolutely love to just have lunch with her and have a conversation. Her roles were incredible. She tackled a lot of topics that at that time, I guess, 60s, 70s, were not easy to tackle. And she talked a lot about women and the role of women and sufferings and so many things that I think now, even looking back at those movies, they're super powerful and they changed a lot of narratives and she did make a difference. So I would love to sit with her and hear her thoughts. <laughs> That's beautiful. And I love that you mentioned the local Egyptian actress. It's, it's always interesting for me to discover all of these personalities and all of these things happening outside the, the US-centric world. Um, the more I travel, the more amazingness I discover that you just don't learn about when you are in, in just that one part of the world. Next question is this. You've obviously gone through moments in your life of doubt, of, of self-esteem issues, what were the practices or the incidents that helped you build confidence 
or self-esteem or believe in yourself or self-love. All of these qualities are related in a way. How did you learn to develop these qualities as you went through life? I did have a very, very low confidence uh, growing up. And I never realized it up until I gained confidence. And I was like, oh, this is different. <laughs> I'm looking at myself in a different light. When I'm looking at myself in the mirror, I'm kinder. I'm uh, more empathetic with my own self. And I'm more engaged to why am I feeling this? Why am I feeling, why am I self-loathing now? What's happening? Is this a projection? Is this a situation? Is this something that I should dig deeper? So it took me a while to reach the stage where I'm conscious of when I'm not really kind or not really being understanding with my own thoughts and not being, you know, I, I, I just stick to kind. I guess that's the best description, not kind of myself. But there are so many incidents, but there's this specific incidence where growing up also as a model, unfortunately, I really did not like my body. I completely hated it. I hated so many things in it. I was not in tune with it. I did not like it. There was not a single thing that I felt that, oh, this is nice. I like this. So it was always something. It, it did not feel like a tool that was working with me. My body felt like it was working against me. If I want to lose weight, I'd be gaining. If I want to gain, I'd be losing. And I was never in tune with what it needs, what it wants. Does it need rest? I didn't understand that when I'm in pain, I should rest when I sprain an ankle that it needs to rest I should, like there's so many things that I was not aware of up until um I think it was three or four years ago I signed up for a crazy cycling trip in Egypt from north to south we cycled for about 1125 kilometers from Cairo to Aswan Aswan is in upper Egypt which is downwards this cycling trip for me has changed so much. It has changed the way that I perceive myself, the way I communicate with my body, the way that I hear my body and listen to it, the way I see myself when I look in the mirror and the way that I want to be perceived. It has completely changed the narrative that I have with myself. And this cycling trip, it was completely out of the blue. Um, I never cycled honestly before, maybe when I was a kid, but it was something that I saw on Facebook, a random person uh, said, Hey, I'm going on a cycling trip. Who wants to join? I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Sounds good. And it took me so much training and so much discipline to, to reach those 1000 plus kilometers. It took me three months of physiotherapy, Pilates, yoga, CrossFit, all sorts of trainings just to make my body stronger, make my body have more endurance to become more fit, to gain that strength that I need to continue that crazy cycling trip. When I reached Aswan after those 1000 plus kilometers, I was in awe of myself because no one believed that I could reach that. No one believed that I could cycle all that way. It is a big cycling trip. And it was for 11 days. It's a lengthy cycling trip and not every day in my circle, you hear a person say, hey, I'm going to go on this crazy cycling trip. So I was very proud of myself because I put my mind to something and I was able to work towards that goal persistently and with incredible discipline every single day. I would train five times a week, rest one day. And I was so focused on my nutrition. I was focused with my body. I would rest when I needed. I would work out when I can. It was a complete change of how I look at my hands, my legs, my feet, my arms, everything. So after that, my goal was never to lose weight to gain weight, to look thinner, to look fatter, to whatever the labels were that I was putting on before that. 
It was to be healthy. It was to be well. It was to be strong. I was proud of myself that I was able to lift a box. I was proud of myself that I was able to move furniture around the house because Mm. I've gained that strength and I've worked towards that strength. I was able to run a few laps. I was, it it just completely changed how I see myself. And this just, it was a switch. And I was like, this is what I want. This is what I want to advocate. I, I want to advocate Uh, the self-image in the most beautiful ways that I have seen it happen with me. And it was not a one-day thing. It was three, four months of discipline, education, routine, visualizing this goal that I want to reach and just working towards it. How am I going to get there? I did not know. Everyone was making fun of me. They're like, Tara, are you seriously going to cycle all that? They're like, sit down, calm down. 1,000 kilometers from Aswan to Cairo. That's incredible. Now I'm thinking, because I I live in tiny little Estonia. I don't even own a car, right? But I own two bicycles. I'm thinking, I need to do me a 1,000 kilometer cycling trip just to see what happens. Amazing things happen. I made friendships. I I was 11, those 11 days, I didn't have any music with me because I forgot to download music on my phone <laughs> and there's no network. So it was me, my thoughts and my bicycle. And that was epic. It's all I needed. I like what you said earlier, right? When I asked you, how did you build self-confidence, self-esteem? You said it's about being kind. And let's go on to the topic of bullying, because I think what, what you were saying is You were being kind to yourself. Why is bullying an issue that you are so passionate about? Because you run a podcast called Bullying Explained. And for those of you who want to check out the podcast, it's um, you can find it on listennotes.com forward slash podcast forward slash bullying dash explained dash Tara dash Imad. Tell us about the podcast and what drives you to do that. I never thought of creating a podcast. And honestly speaking, I started listening to podcasts exactly two years ago. So I was a complete newbie in the podcast world, but I was fascinating. It felt amazing to be able to uh, hear conversations, visualize, hear people that I love, that I think they're incredible and love their work and appreciate what they do. And just be exposed to so much more through those podcasts. That podcast was my bachelor's degree graduation project. And it was Corona. I was at home. So it was all I was focused on. (laughs) So I put it like I put the 1000% effort in it. And it was a crazy and incredible learning experience. I did everything from scratch. I had help with designing the logo. A friend of mine did it. And I did get help with Uh, creating uh, or making the sound clear. Also a friend of mine who's a musician, he also cleaned the sound, but everything else from uploading, from editing, from recording, from marketing, everything was something that I was teaching myself and it was crazy. And why did I do this podcast? I honestly believe that bullying is one of the topics that I, I really, really care about. And I was exposed to bullying throughout my school years And it did change a lot in me and it did affect me and it did create this feeling of no safety zone in school. And there were a lot of incidents in school that were related to bullying that did unfortunately scar me and it did take a lot of time to dig deeper and clear that uh, scarring. So growing up also, I was with the spotlight that I was getting, I was engaged in several uh, different campaigns related to bullying to school with in schools and universities several campaigns that were on social media. But when I was doing my bachelor's degree, I realized that there is no guidelines. There is no A. You can do one, two, three to prevent bullying. You can do one, two, three if you see someone's getting bullied. And you can do one, two, three if your kid 
nephew, niece, daughter, anyone, son are getting bullied, how can you help them? What can you do? There was no action plan. So this podcast for me was my baby project that I was so invested in. And I interviewed some incredible people. I interviewed people who told stories uh, of them bullying other people. Why did they do it when they were kids? How did they stop it? Who helped? Who did not help? What could have changed the way that they interacted with, with those students? I talked to therapists. I talked to teachers. I talked to Uh, victims of bullying. Later on, um, we didn't want to call them victims. We called them people who were comfortable enough to share their stories. And it was a big step for them to publicly share the story of them getting bullied in school or in workplace or at home or on the streets. And the more I was talking and engaging and learning, the more it felt that this topic really needs to take up the space that it deserves. And it is an important topic. And I did pause my, my podcast because I got work after it and uh, I had to <laughs> go filming. But I do have some really cool plans that I want to expand with the podcast. I do want to create uh, different versions of it. And I do want to, like, I did have a plan to make a book, to make a Uh, curriculum and to discuss how can we make curriculums in schools that teach students about bullying, that teach teachers how to deal with bullying, and at the same time, how to connect teachers and parents, because it's not always a good idea to tell uh, the parents on the kids, hey, your kid is bullying, and then the parent goes and talks to the kid, and then the kid bullies once again. So there's a different way how you can approach this. And there are so many incredible ways that I've learned on the internet that you can approach this topic. So hopefully I'll focus more on it in the coming uh, year or two. That's great. And such a good service. I have two kids. And so bullying is definitely something that I think it's so important as a conversation for parents to have with their kids. And I'm glad you have this podcast available in English or Arabic. It's in both. There are episodes that are in English and there are episodes that are in Arabic. It's in both. Yes. Amazing. So uh, the final question is, let's talk about the part of the world that you're in. Uh, what do you think is the most important advice you would give? So the Mind Valley community is mostly women. Uh, the uh, community is about 60, 65% women. And in the Middle East, especially, we are gaining a huge following But what we're noticing about our following in the Middle East is that it's overwhelmingly women. It's 70 to 80% women. What would be your advice to women of the Middle East in terms of the change that they can help create in the world? It's a good question. I would say... And, and by this, sorry, I mean I mean Middle East and North Africa, which is where, where you're at. Of course, I would say know your power. Every woman needs to know her power, uh, the power of her passion, the power of her awareness, the power of her voice, and the power that she has on other women. And I always say that one woman succeeding is all women succeeding. So sharing your knowledge, seeking to learn more, seeking to grow, seeking to uh, make a change, to create a change, to have an impact. It affects you and it affects all other women who look up to you, who inspire to be you. So I would never say that uh, one deed just goes unnoticed especially now, no good deed goes unnoticed. So make use, uh, if you have a platform, if you have a voice, even to one person, don't be afraid to shake the ground, make a change, be loud, uh, be visible uh, with your voice, with your, with your energy, with your work, with your dreams, 
I guess that would be something that I'd like. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That that's that is very quotable. I like that. I'm just thinking. I want to put it up on social media um, as a quote. It's it's beautifully said. Thank you, Tara. This was an, a fascinating conversation. I love the way you come across, and so really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Mind Valley Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for everyone that's listening. Thank you so much for joining the Mind Valley Podcast. It was wonderful having you. Uh, thank you for all of you who joined us today, and I will see you on the next episode. I'm Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, Take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body, your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.